it's Death by Video, and we are here live at the Toronto International Film Festival 2018 for the world premiere of David Gordon Green's Halloween, directed by David Gordon Green, written by Danny McBride and David Gordon Green. Wow, I'm Phil. Hey, hey, I'm Kit. And I'm Graham. We are joined by our very special guest, the defender of James Cameron's virginity. It is Brandon Cox. Until I die. <laughs> All right, guys, so we are here in the lineup on Young Street outside the gorgeous Elgin Theater in Winter Garden. Uh, theater and uh, yeah thoughts so far I got a free t-shirt and a free poster so did Brandon uh, Kit and Phil wound up a little late there were extra large t-shirts too everything's coming up Graham so quickly Kit what are your expectations for tonight I'm super excited cool Brandon I'm gonna have a great time yeah Phil I am stoked okay cool we will um, we will be back once we're actually inside the th great insight this is great insight all around it is going to be a stellar return to form, hopefully. I didn't see... The, did anyone watch the new trailer? I didn't watch it. I know, Brandon, you texted me, new trailer. I saw a teaser. That's all. Okay. Phil, what about you? Did you see the new trailer? I not. Okay, I got to make sure we're still recording because my phone went dark. Oh, and we are, thankfully. Brandon, did you see the new trailer? I saw the new trailer. It gave too much away, and I'm disappointed in watching the trailer. Yeah, that's why I don't watch trailers anymore because I just... I want to actually just watch the movie and not be... You know, have preconceived notions and all that stuff. I watched the teaser a hundred times because it was the teaser, but the trailer not so much. Anyways, this is our first time recording with this new microphone. This could be a bust. I bought this for uh, the trip I'm going to take to Las Vegas to meet Albert Pune. Apparently it's happening in a week. Uh, we'll be back uh, once we're inside the theater and we've finished our coffees. Hey! We're back inside the Elgin Theater for Death by Video. Uh, we're mere moments away from the movie starting. So, Kit... You uh, famously, the last time you were here was for what show? I'm, well, I told you I'm not even sure. I said, I'm not sure if I've been to Elgin Theater before, but I did see Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Could have been here. Yeah. With I, Johnny Osmond. Yeah. I saw Phantom too. That was, I don't that know. That was Pantages. Yeah, that was Pantages. Yeah, yeah. Which is now the Visa? No, the Mervish. Princess Mervish. Right, the Ed Mervish. Um, and uh, Brandon, you got to see someone that you were really excited for. James Cameron's here tonight. I cannot wait to see him. <laughs> no, no, no. He's talking about Jamie Lee Curtis, who starred in James Cameron's True Lies from 1995. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're blaring the 80s uh, AM rock right now, setting the mood as the theater is filling up. Uh, we saw Jamie Lee Curtis. We saw Danny McBride. We saw Jason Blum. And I did see Ryan Turek, who was the other producer, the real driving force behind the movie. He's here somewhere. Um... Yeah, maybe I'll try and ask him a couple questions in a little bit. Uh, we'll see. This might be our last broadcast before the movie starts. Might not be. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Bye. Hey, when the cast and crew are up on stage, it's yeah. pretty chill to take photos. Hey, guys. So we are back. We're down at Brandon Cox, but we are here at the Historic Friends restaurant at Young and College in uh, Toronto. Uh, so we just came out of the new Halloween. I think we we're all very kind of buzzed by it. Brandon Cox was a little dismayed at its um, callbacks to the original. I don't know what he was expecting, to be fair. Like, that's he, kind of what I was... Thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good at doing the fan service. They didn't do it in an office. Yeah, and, like, and what it was, it was kind of like a triumphant thing. Like, so like we said, spoiler alert, at the, the close to the end of the film, uh, Michael Myers knocks Laurie Strode over a balcony onto the grass, and he looks down at her, and then he looks away when he hears a different sound, and when he looks back, she's gone. And the entire audience broke out into applause. It was such a great crowd-pleasing moment. Um, 
we're desperately trying to get last call here. The, our film started late, uh, not late, but it started at 11.30 p.m.? Yep. Yeah. Uh, probably 11.45. Yeah. All right. I'm going to hit pause because I think our waiter's coming by. Yeah, I kind of want to sleep for the few hours, so we're back again. Um, we, we got our PBRs. Yes, we uh, we got some beers. I'm just concerned that this is going to be too only, loud. Only $3.99 all day, every day at Fran's Restaurant. Come on down. Yeah, yeah. So uh, me and Kate were talking. This is kind of our tradition. Uh, once every three years when we do Midnight Madness to come to, to Fran's afterwards to discuss the film. Um... Yeah, I, I. the more I think about it, the more I think I loved it. I mean, it had a great soundtrack. The original John Carpenter, his son Cody Cop Carpenter, and Daniel Davies, uh, son of Ray Davies from the Kings, or Dave Davies, um, came to do the soundtrack. And it was it was a great mix of the original uh, from 1978 and, and new stuff. Like, there were some new compositions yeah. I heard, some throwbacks to the original. Um, it was fun. I do have to say the uh, the Halloween dance that uh, Laurie Strode's granddaughter goes to seems like the most fun dance ever That's, in history. I've never like in my all of my high school years seen the entire floor. Crowd. <laughs> like, that was a clear fire like code violation with that one. Um, yeah, it's shot a very music video style uh, dance. The dance yeah. Yeah. It was good though. I liked it. Like '90s dance. Yeah, it was it was very different from the rest of the style of the movie. The way I was shot. Mm-hmm. Well, that was also the only part of the movie that was really entirely populated with teenagers. I think this film did a really good job of balancing, um, and I was thinking of it during the screening of the adults and the teenagers, because the teenagers just didn't feel underchanged. They felt like real characters that had lives beyond the film, and so did the adults. Well. Maybe not um, Allison Strode, that's uh, Laura Strode's granddaughter's parents. Like, they kind of just seem to exist to uh, take her out to dinner and then tell her to be careful who she dates and to stay away from her grandmother. Her dad got peanut butter on his penis at one point. Yeah. The, f- the film, like, Danny McBride's humor worked so well because this film was oh, a great sure. mix. You, you of... could tell when it says humor. Oh, yeah. yeah. Too. Especially with, like, that little black kid. Yeah, yeah. There's a little... That, <laughs> that's how... Oh, he, I don't think he had a name, but he, he totally called on, like... No, don't go up and and see the scary man in my room. Like send the, send your boyfriend. Send your dopey boyfriend yeah. who I don't like. And she's like, no, it's fine. So we're up tops. Oh. oh, but I've already punched the deal in for you guys. Okay. So I'll give you Sapporo. Or... Sapporo. Sapporo works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank yeah, you thank so you. much, man. Yeah. It's better than QBR. Yeah, much better. It really is. Bartender. Yeah. Um, are we still recording? I can't tell because the uh, the screen keeps stopping. Sorry, guys. It's. Uh, New microphone, new recording software. Yeah, we're still recording. Um, I mean, just to take you through the screening, we were all given free posters and T-shirts for Halloween. I'm which, excited about my uh, T-shirt. Yeah, me too. I left the poster behind. I, I got that poster. I didn't take oh no? no, I'm gonna be wearing mine every day of the week now. It was so good. Won't um, even wash it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole full, go full Mike Myers. Uh, It'll be wearing me eventually. <laughs> Um, but it was, yeah, like, so we go, go and it's at the great Elton Theater, and as we walk in, we see, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, uh, I saw Jason Blum, who I clocked, he was the, he's the owner of Blumhouse Productions, which produced this film, the Purge films, the Conjuring films, uh, the Insidious films, Get Out, Get Out, uh, basically every good horror movie you've seen outside of, I think, The Stranger's Prey at Night, he's produced, um, and uh, I also saw Danny McBride, the writer, and I think I saw David Gordon Green, the director, I'm not entirely sure. They all came out to introduce the film yeah. when we started uh, beforehand. It was very lucky because this wasn't technically the world premiere, even though it started 30 minutes before the official world premiere, uh, which was a premium screening. Yeah, so how does that work exactly? Um, essentially... Ah, uh, perfect. Oh, perfect. 
Thank you so much. Alright, cheers to a good cheers. first one with Tiff. Yay. Let's not spoil our beer, especially on my phone. Mm. So, Tiff this year, for the first time ever, introduced two premium screenings to their Midnight Madness program. The first being The Predator on opening night, which was a premium screening, which a lot of people were kind of concerned about because The Predator is opening up um, on September 14th, so that's this Thursday, and it screened literally seven days to the day before it would uh, be in multiplexes worldwide as a premium, read expensive, like, $52 ticket. Hey guys, sorry about that. Due to, uh, this is some new software, a new microphone that we're using, so I'm still not entirely sure how this works. We lost a little bit of our discussion there, but we, uh, I just listened back, we ended off where I was talking about the differences between the premium screenings and the regular screenings at TIFF. But uh, we were at the regular screening at 11.30, the world premiere of Halloween. Uh, we talked a little bit about how brutal Michael Myers is in this film. Like, he straight up murders a child in the first ten minutes of the movie, slams his head into a window, and then snaps his neck. Uh, that he does. Yeah, it's very, very loud. Um, so, Kate, you said you had some thoughts about the movie that you were holding back? Oh, God. Well, no, I just, like, while we were eating, I was like, I won't talk about the movie. I'll yeah. save it for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now that the time is here... It's time to talk. It's gone from your head. Well, um, did, did you notice many, like, there was the one callback that I think we discussed that I don't think we missed. I, I think the, we might have missed it where um, Michael Myers knocked Glory Strode off of the balcony, and we see her lying on the ground. Michael Myers peers down at her, then he looks away, and then he peers back, and she's gone, which is a callback to the first film when uh, Dr. Loomis, you know, shot Michael Myers six times. He fell off the balcony, crashed to the ground. Loomis looks away, looks back, and Myers is gone. Yeah, and that, as, I was, as I was saying before, it's the kind of fan service I enjoy. I, it wasn't on the nose. No. And it, and it happened organically. It wasn't like... And that's why I liked yeah. it. Otherwise, I would kind of roll my eyes yeah, out. Yeah, it wasn't like Rob Zombie's Halloween where it was like, and now he's wearing a ghost costume for no particular reason. Why are these people listening to Nazareth if they're youths in the year 2007? Um, but it was... Yeah, it was good. I mean, I don't really know. We, we got a little bit into the story. You know, we pick it up 40 years later. Laurie Strode is kind of living a secluded lifestyle on this compound in the woods as a survivalist waiting for Michael Myers to come out and get her. Her daughter has been estranged from her for years, but by Judy Greer. Um, and I think, Phil, you were saying that this is the, the actress that played her granddaughter, Alison Strode. This was her first uh, role? If I recall correctly, reading the opening credits it's an introducing nice kind of like how the first Halloween introduced yeah. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis that's right um, yeah uh, Myers is like he he smashes a doctor's face uh, I think we were discussing how for a brief moment we all kind of thought that uh, the quote unquote new Dr. Loomis who turned out to be anything but might have taken over from Michael Myers and I think it was a commentary on how with Loomis he spent so much time close to evil that he wanted to destroy it Whereas this doctor spent so much time close to evil. Like, evil corrupts everyone. Like, Myers, or, um, Loomis becomes, like, a paranoid, like, I'll shoot at anything type of doctor. Whereas this doctor becomes a, I want to explore evil and experience it and almost understand what it's like. At a certain point, he even puts on Michael Myers' mask. And Kit was saying, oh, are we going to have this guy be Michael Myers for the rest of the film? Because... I'm glad they didn't, because yeah. he's, like, a small little guy. He's, like, who's five foot six. Yes. And, uh, Nursing a bullet wound. Yeah, very slow, elderly. Um, it's also interesting to point out that, like, Michael Myers, as much as, like, that was 40 years ago, he must be 70 years old or 80 years old. No, Michael Myers, in the reality of 
this movie is only 61. Because when he um, committed the crime when he was six years old, 15 years later he breaks out in the first Halloween and he's 21, and now he's only 61. Very spry 61. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, um, the actual performer, because they brought back the original Nick Castle who played The Shape in the first film, he also directed The Last Starfighter. And I think, did he write Halloween 3? Was he involved in that? I can't remember. Yeah. Did you say that there was a uh, Silver Shamrock call-in? Yes, there was a must. I didn't notice it. Yeah, so there were um, some kids uh, on Halloween that were wearing silver, silver shamrock masks. The pumpkin, the, uh, was it a witch? And the skull? Yeah. Yeah. Which was a nice little, like, this one had, like, stuff where it wasn't, like, and now it wasn't, you know, they didn't, like, stop and play a silver shamrock commercial. They just had, in the background of a couple shots, kids wearing silver shamrock masks. It was very much a point anyone that's, uh, Yeah. Well, I didn't notice it, but I just observed it uh, during the closing credits, uh... Yeah. The soundtrack was great too. It was by John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies, who's the son of Dave Davies from the Kinks. Um, they make up the core trio of Carpenter's touring band, which I saw back in last October here in Toronto. Um, it was a really great soundtrack. I really dug it. They had a lot of callbacks to the original, and then they also like introduced some new score. It got very bleak at times. Um, and this film, like, it had some definite scares. Like, I was legitimately towards the end when, my, when Lori was cornering Michael Myers in her house and she was constantly putting a shotgun into a closet. A nice, another nice little, like, subtle callback where uh, in the original Halloween she hides in the closet and Michael Myers comes in to get her. And this one, she's not sure where Michael Myers is, so she thinks she might, he might be hiding in a closet. Um... So, nice callbacks for that, but during that scene, I was actually feeling, like, tense and concerned, and I got that creeping sense of dread, which I'm like, I don't actually think I ever felt that during a Halloween film ever. Like, you know, unfortunately, the original Halloween, by the time I saw it when I was a teenager, had been parodied and, like, lifted from so many times that it lost all. Yeah, still a great film, but just, like, it didn't affect me the way I think it should have. Whereas with this film, there was some genuine tension, some genuine fear. Yeah, and like this is a Midnight Madness audience, so like they're they're game for this horror film. They're they're laughing at parts where you think maybe it's supposed to be scary, and they're just like, "That's hilarious!" He just smashed that guy's face in with his boot. Yeah. Um, but during that final scene where she's going through the house, pin drop. Yeah, pin drop. Got, Everybody yeah. was into it. It was uh, it was a rapt audience. Um, to introduce the film, I think this guy cut out as well. Uh, my friend Samara from university, back from my university days, she actually uh, volunteers for the festival, or maybe works for the festival now, um, at the Elgin Theater. And she told me, you're in for a little treat. And I was like, ooh, what's this going to be? And then so when, after the introduction from the filmmakers, from David Gordon Green and Jason Blum and Jamie Lee Curtis and Judy Greer and Danny McBride, the lights went down, the audience settled in. And then, in the darkness, Michael Myers walked out, stood center stage, and at first, you know, you didn't see it because it was done totally in darkness. Then all of a sudden you hear a woo, and you realize there's someone there, you see some camera flashes, and you're like, oh my god, it's a Michael Myers. And then the the theme kicks in, the orange lighting heats up, he takes a step forward, cut to black, and that's when the movie started. And then he showed up again at the end. At the end, yeah, on the balcony. Yeah, so at the Elgin Theater, there's like a bunch of... Um, 
uh, I guess they call them opera boxes, yeah, opera boxes. And at the end of the movie, as it's dark in the theater, again, no spotlight pointing it out, no cheesy like. And now Michael Myers is here. You just see him standing off, staring, peering down at us from the from the balcony boxes. Really great touch. I really love when Tiff does this sort of thing. Uh, just great. I love it. Um, he didn't murder anybody at the theater. No, no. He in was case just, you're he worried was just, that that might have happened. No. Uh, no, the fictional character, Michael Myers, did not murder anyone. Yeah, so don't worry. Rest easy, audience. Yeah. Um, I dug the film a lot. I. Uh, what else should we talk about with the film, guys? I mean... How would you... I, I would... Right now, in my mind, this is the second best Halloween. Yeah, I'd say. I'd say it's right up there. It's definitely better than the Rob I've, I've only seen the first three. I saw the third one first. Yeah. Oddly enough. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's strange. Well, that's... that's Scotty put it on. He loves number three for some reason. Uh, had the silver shamrock theme stuck in my head for, for years. It still Three is there. Still Halloween, yeah. Um, silver shamrock. And then... <laughs> Then you watched the first one? And then I watched the first two uh, a few years later. And then I, I saw the Rob Zombie ones, which are terrible. And yeah. that's it. That's all I've yeah. seen. No, I've seen all of them. Phil, have you seen all of them as well? I've seen the first three. I've not seen, I've seen part six. I've seen H2O, and that's it. Yeah, I've seen all of them. Um, I The only one I actually saw in a the theater before this was Halloween Resurrection, the 2002 Buster Rhymes vehicle. Oh, yeah, Buster Rhymes gets involved. I saw, I saw the Halloween H2O, and uh, that's, that's when OJ clearly had a no-kill clause. Yeah. He wasn't allowed to die? No. No, because ladies love cool James. We all know. True. Um, He's not going to be the black guy that dies on a slash. Not like in Great Big C. Deep Blue C. Deep Deep Blue C, that's right. Great Big C, the East Coast Celtic band? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the host. like a shark spin. Yeah. Yeah, as a whole, such a great film. Really well shot, too. Lots of iconic shots um, in the film. And uh, this is going to be... Inter- I'm not sure how this is going to sound because there are many conversations going on around us. I believe that this microphone only records what our table is saying. But... Uh, we'll find out. I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of our, our I guess, Death by Tip series. I'm going to be back tomorrow. I'm doing three films tomorrow, uh, which will probably... Well, today now, because it's 2.40 a.m. Yeah, you're going to have to do some solo episodes. Yeah. I hope you can um, hold it down for us. I will try. So I'm seeing a movie at, 10, at 11 a.m., one at 6 p.m., and then one at midnight. And then, again, the next day, I'm seeing another movie. Not, not as crazy, but I'm going to be seeing about 13 films between now and next Sunday. What? So, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be back. Um, it's going to be interesting. We're going to have... Cold War later on in the week with uh, Phil's mom and uh, our returning guest Vanessa Young and maybe her father Christopher Young or maybe just me and Vanessa depending on what happens um, also going to be checking out uh, The Legend of the Demon Cat The Man Who Feels No Pain uh, what's another one In Fabric which I'm really looking forward to Freaks a whole bunch of other stuff and I'll be back tomorrow with a secret film I'm not entirely sure what it's going to be but it should hopefully be good so, for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I've been Graham. St. Please be sure to rewind. Keep watching awesome movies. Good night. Yeah.